The advice given on sex and other human activities is for entertainment purposes only. If you've got a question for us, send us an email at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. Light up, devil horns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get into the season. <laughs> Get into the season. Oh, fucking Halloween. Yeah, baby. Welcome to Sex and Other Human Activities, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Marcus Parks. I'm Jackie Zabrowski. And happy almost Halloween. And to you as well, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we uh, release this tomorrow on Thursday, it'll be the day before Halloween. It'll be all ha- it'll, the Devil's Night. The Devil's Night all Halloween. <laughs> if you ha- are a fan of the movie. The crow, then you know that this is the night when you fire it up. Yeah, baby. Burn the town down. <laughs> I really don't. Do not burn no, the town down. Don't. Do not I don't. don't. Think it's a good idea. No arson. Do, please do not do arson. <laughs> I always don't do anything that happens in the movie The Crow. In no. fact. Just <laughs> watch it. Just yeah. stay away from anything that Except actually happens. In it. Make eggs. You can make eggs for sure, someone. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about it. Yes. In an attempt to rekindle with your estranged daughter, you can try to make eggs for her. Man, that movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I loved it, man. Oh, watched it over and over and over again. Read the comic book, which is even more depressing than the movie. I bet. I can imagine. Yeah, you know that book was uh, that was originally written by a guy because that happened to him? (laughs) Yeah, like the whole guy's coming and you know, gang raping and murdering his fiance. Uh, that happened did to he James go in re- Did he revenge? He did not revenge. I oh. mean, he revenged by writing a comic book about oh, it. Oh, that's, well, you know. I mean, it's a much better way to revenge. Yeah, it's a much better. No vigilante justice. Yeah, No know, vigilante justice. It just, you gotta be really strong. You know, if you're gonna be a Batman, you have to have the money of Batman. <laughs> and you have to have the tools of Batman. Yes, and if you're gonna be the crow, you have to have the supernatural ability of the crow. Uh, yes. Yes. I was there's a there's a reality show on Netflix currently, I forgot exactly what it's called, but it's about people being superheroes in small towns that they, you know, try to enforce vigilante justice. But it's hard. It's hard, you know. <laughs> it is like, an extremely difficult thing to do. It's just <laughs> and like, you know, I understand and it's wonderful that you would have those notions, but you know, it, it is it is a difficult thing for people to really accept is when you make a costume and you go around the city trying to revenge on <laughs> for humanity. And it's just it makes it seem so silly. Yeah. And I feel bad because like they I mean, I I like where their head's at, but I feel like there's got to be other ways. Yeah. I don't think in the real world superheroes do not exist. In fact, th- th- or as far as the cape and the tights right. and all that type of stuff. And that actually plays kind of perfectly into uh, what I wanted to talk about today. Last night, I was with uh, my lady. Talking about it now. We'll just leave it at that for right, right now. We'll just leave it at that for right now. But we were watching. Uh, I've been down in the dumps lately, like really, really down for the last few weeks. Just been really stressed. And uh, one of uh, the people that uh, I really look up to as far as philosophy goes, uh, and as far as just a general body of work, Hunchback a- of Notre Dame. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I'm a big fan of bells. Uh, yeah, is what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a comic book writer named Grant Morrison. And uh, Grant Morrison is just, I mean, he wrote The Invisibles, he wrote Animal Man, uh, Doom Patrol, All-Star Superman, some of the uh, best comic book work of the last 20 years. Uh, and a personal hero of mine. So when I'm down in the dumps, uh, I like to revisit Grant Morrison and his 
ideas and uh, it, one of uh, the best things that he has as far as like relating to superheroes in the real world goes that when he was a kid his dad was a uh, anti-nuclear weapon activist uh, and he said that he was obsessed with the idea of the bomb but like with the idea of the bomb and then when he discovered superheroes and uh, comic books specifically Superman he became obsessed with the idea of Superman uh, and he figured if the well, all of that was created out of World War II anyway, right? Well, uh, Superman was around the time of World War II. It was uh, 1939. Fighting the Nazis. Well, he didn't actually fight the Nazis. Should have. <laughs> Captain America was fighting Captain the Nazis. Captain America. Yeah. And he's talking this is how much I know about comic books. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot. Uh, but he's talking about the idea of the bomb uh, versus the idea of Superman and how if the idea of the bomb uh, can be so scary and be so destructive, then the idea of Superman can make its way into our world and can overcome the idea of the bomb and can be a force of good, something that can defeat the idea of the bomb. Uh, and it, that type of thing fills me with so much peace. You know, in his notions of uh, all of us being gods and all that sort of... I'm not going to get into it a hell of a whole lot, but he's also into transcendental stuff, a lot of Eastern stuff, uh, and a lot of uh, meditation-type stuff. So before we went to bed, a lady was doing some stretches and things like that, a bit inspired by this, uh, and I decided to join in on the stretches, and I was getting to a point where I was in kind of a meditation pose and you know the documentary been talking about meditation she's like have you ever tried it like, no actually I've never really done it so she showed me the pose uh, she kind of told me the breathing techniques and uh, the how to keep my back straight and all that while still being relaxed and she goes like all right I'm going to bed I'll leave you to it like you can meditate do whatever you want I'm going to bed so I started, I just closed my eyes and I don't, she didn't necessarily tell me any of the mental techniques or anything like that. And I've been told over the years that meditation is something that I should definitely try that they think it would be very good for me. But I always threw it off. You know, I always said like, I'll never be any good at that. I can't clear my head for a second, much less five minutes to 30 minutes to an hour, something like that. Like my head never stops going. The thoughts never stop racing. Uh, I can never get them to stop for any meaningful amount of time. But I thought last night, you know, the way the, the, the documentary was talking about it, the way, you know, she was talking about it, I thought, and she's also a very encouraging human being, extremely encouraging. And so I thought, like, all right, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to really give this a go. And so I closed my eyes, and all of these thoughts start, started popping in, the same thing as always. And, as, you know, I was breathing deep and all that. Uh, and then after a few minutes, I started to calm down, and I started to actually form a picture of myself within my head, which is difficult for me. I don't think in images, I think in words and in metaphors, but I started to find a picture of myself uh, within my head and these problems that were coming, I started seeing them as images as well. Uh, and I started just reaching out and grabbing these terrible thoughts, the things that plague me day to day, the thoughts, the fears, the paranoia, I started reaching out and grabbing them and looking at them. And I saw 
these things for the paper tigers that they really are. You know, if you don't know what a paper tiger is, it's essentially something that looks ferocious, but is in reality powerless. Uh, and I started taking them and I started looking at them. And I look at, uh, at a problem or a paranoia, a paranoia uh, feeling, a paranoid feeling or fear, and I'd look at it and I would see that it actually held no power. And I'd put it down. And then the next one would come and I'd take it and I'd look at it and put it down. And by the time I was done, there weren't any left. Like there weren't any real problems to, you know, to, to actually plague me. There wasn't, wasn't anything that was making me fearful. Uh, and I was filled and I opened my eyes and I was just filled with peace, both body and mind. My body was like, I, I couldn't believe how tense I had been before. And my mind, like I just, whew, like I exhaled and I just go, holy shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, wow oh man this is a tool this is something great i can get into this i can fucking do this that's awesome and i woke up and I, you know I, I fell asleep watching this uh thing uh about like fucking french new wave cinema or something like that which will put me to sleep yes certainly <laughs> immediately to sleep yeah absolutely because after watching that such a heavy thing uh and like doing such a heavy thing i was thinking it's like i can't just watch star trek or something like i'm gonna ha i have to watch something uh fanciful something more intellectual which <laughs> just <laughs> like, right out <laughs> like a fucking light uh and i woke up this morning and I woke up for the first time and I don't know how long with a smile on my face. I'm like, all right, fucking A. I'm like, all right, let's fucking go. Let's fucking do this day. I go in and go, uh, you know, always listen to music in a shower. And not every time is it something that is, you know, really like big and boisterous. Like I always, but showers before uh, last podcast live shows, I always listen to the True Detective soundtrack. A lot of mornings I put on Primus, which is good feeling music, but also like kind of off kilter. But like this morning I got into the shower. I just kind of put my playlist on a playlist that I have on random. And uh, this fucking song came on. And... Uh, Fuck, man. Like, I... <laughs> like, this is the fucking shower song of the fucking decade. It was amazing. <laughs> like, I'm just fucking, like, dance along. They're like... I am ready to fucking battle this day. Hell I am yeah. ready to fucking kill this day. Yeah. But I am also ready to love this day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just start listening to this song every day when you wake up. I think so. I think I At think I should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's speaking in tongues by the Eagles of Death Metal. Like it is an amazing song. Shower song of the year, 2006. Possibly the shower song of the decade. Uh, but what I'm saying is I'm fucking happy today. I'm feeling fucking great today. I feel like I've got a really important tool in my toolbox against the fucking fight against mental illness and the fight against fear and unhappiness and the things that fucking plague everybody from day to day. And I don't know if I'm doing meditation, if that's the way meditation is supposed to go. If I, anyone out there has any different perspectives on it, uh, capecomereo at gmail.com is the email address to send it to. Like, I don't... I didn't read anything and I didn't, you know, go into through like the mental techniques or anything like that, but it's what worked for me. 
And I think that's kind of the best way to start. I I do. Uh, I I said a while ago that I had started meditating, and I've been doing it as often as I can. So I probably do it about three or four times a week. It's something you should do. I mean, if you are able to and have the time to do it twice a day. Yeah. I mean, you should do it in the morning, do it at night, just to like kind of center yourself. But what I like about it is, I grew up in a household where my mom has always meditated. My mom meditates every single day. But like I was telling Marcus earlier, is that she's a big believer. She has a, a bunch of guided meditations that she follows. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you've ever listened to the Roundtable of Gentlemen, you know that guided meditations are ruined for both of us yes. forever. But also they were always ruined for me anyway as like a kid with a brother that we always joked around where it's like listening to the tapes and it's, you know, center yourself in the valley. Do you have flowers around <laughs> or is it mountains yeah. it's just things like that where it's like it does work for some people yeah i am too cynical for for it it kind of just makes me laugh which is also a different kind of way to chill yourself out anyway of course but i think that the best part about meditation is personally i like to sit and start my breathing techniques and whatever i decide at that moment of how I'm going to meditate is how I meditate. Yeah. It's not something I think about. It's not something I'm worried about the questions or worried about what I'm doing because the main focus of it is you. It is shutting things out. It is focusing on you. It is being in a silent room, just breathing. And even sometimes I'll just sit and breathe and think about nothing as hard as I can, you know, mm. but also as easily because if something comes up, then you deal with it and you acknowledge it and you let it go which is something that gets easier with time to really to take the 10-15 minutes of sitting in silence which I think is a good thing for everyone in this generation just to have some silence and to have no stimulation for at least 15 minutes out of your day that there's just nothing and I, that alone helps me sleep or whether I'm dealing with something or it's something that that I, I, I want to go through it in a different way like the you doing the paper tigers you know it's like and, and like visualizing things that helps a lot rather than thinking things through and talking things through in your head it's more so like I do it a lot more primitively yeah you know that it is word or it is image it is it is not something that I'm thinking through. It is something that I'm breathing through. And I it really does help center me very much so. And it's amazing that you started doing it. I mean, it's the same principle as writing things down to get it out of your head. Yeah. It's just thinking about you or thinking about nothing or thinking about whatever you want, but trying to not be in the best way possible. Yeah. The breathing is extremely important, and I've never been a. I mean, I've never not been a big, a big breather. Not a big breather. Not a big fan of breathing. Uh, but that's one of the things that uh, that I've learned lately: how important breathing is to life, like how important breathing is to mental health, uh, and how much it can help you in so many different ways. Uh, just breathing in, like what I was talking about a couple weeks ago, like breathing in and concentrating on the thought, concentrating on the thing that's bothering you, and letting the breath come in to that spot and, and really calm that spot and calm that thought. Breathing has become so, like today uh, when uh, things have started to come in, of course, I'm not going to fucking meditate once and everything's going to be fucking fine. The things still, you know, the things today came in like they always do. Uh, but 
anytime something came in, I just breathed in as deep as I could and exhaled. And it wasn't that it passed or that it disappeared or anything like that. It just got a lot smaller. And it got smaller and smaller until it scuttered on back to whatever dark corner of my brain that it lives in. Well, you forget how, if you think about it, breathing is giving oxygen to every part of your body. It is awakening and giving you life throughout your body. And if that's how you think of breathing, it does make the problem seem a lot more powerless. And in, you know, I was telling Marcus that I went through acting school and a lot of the classes, there were many classes based on just breathing techniques that it helped, um, it helped get to your emotions. It helped you, you would find emotions at the bottom of your stomach, things that it would just like find it and awaken it. Mm -hmm. And, and it sounds so silly. And I remember when I would first start, I'm like, Breathing, sure, yeah. <laughs> but then there would be moments in, you know, you're in the middle of giving a monologue and like the voice teacher comes up and it's like, breathe from here. And you're breathing and you're breathing and this one time I just burst into tears as I'm doing this monologue. Because it is something, it's not forced. It's like a weird, just primal thing that when you breathe deep and you're calm and relaxed, it just has such an insane effect on your body it wakes you up it's like hey things are going on inside of your brain and that's okay but we're here and when you're holding tension in weird parts in your body it's not so much that like yeah sure maybe you fell off a chair when you were wasted last night but maybe it's just something in you that you need to wake up it's something that is is disturbed it's something that is tight and it's something that needs your attention and breathing just just helps you deal with it. I feel like I'm waking up something good. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's what it is, like something inside me like this. Because uh, I, I, I just, I know that there is good stuff inside of me. I, I know that it exists. And I know other people see it a lot more than I do. I have a very hard time seeing any of the good in myself. Uh, but... I am starting to tap into that, at least the good things, the parts that I like, the parts that I think will make me a better, necessarily, I think it's there's a difference between being a good person and being a good human being. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like being a, a good person is more how you deal with other people, how things, uh, like just how your interactions of everyday life. It's more personality based. Whether you make the world a better place or a shittier place. You know, like. It's positive yeah. Positivity. 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 Yes. <laughs> and being a better human being, I, I think, is more of an internal thing. Uh, and the things that are inside of you uh, that allow you to accomplish the types of things that you want to accomplish well, you and want to the ways in it, it's your spirit your spirit it's, it's dealing with your spirit rather than just your normal everyday physical functions yeah the ways that you can contribute to humanity as a whole how you can contribute to the collective unconscious of the world in a positive way and i feel like those are the types of things that i'm starting to uh to tap into and the types of things that uh are being uh, awakened within me, possibly reawakened because in the past I've had glimmers of that, of little things that I can look back on and see those small moments. But now I'm working on awakening that in a way that uh, it stays awake. 
Or you should read a book about dealing with your aura. Ooh. My mom is big into auras. Oh yeah. And that, that is but that is part of that like being a human being where it is something, it is a force inside of you that you are able to change, you are able to work on as you would just like what's going on inside of your head or what's going on with your back and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It is a definitely like, you know, Take it with a grain of salt. Of course. But it is interesting. It's like, why not read about that? Why not learn about something like that that could just lead to positive thoughts? Oh, yeah, man. And yeah, and I'm also planning on uh, getting back into chaos magic, which is a whole different type of thing, and sigils and all that, and manifestations, and, you know, it's the chaos magic. It's kind of like it doesn't matter whether it's real or not. It both is real and it isn't real all at the same time. It has a lot more to do with positivity and all that type of shit. But that's – I'm going to be getting into that much later, so maybe I'll talk about that on a uh, much further in the future show once I get a much better handle on it. I've dabbled in it in the past just a little bit, but it's something that I'm going to start getting into that I think would be a very positive thing for me. Uh, and I know, like, I'm fucking – going kind of into the world of, of hippiness and all that type of shit. But you know what? It's, I know that part of me has always been there. You know, like my parents are both like I I'd describe them as half ass hippies, Texas hippies. You know, like they love Willie Nelson, you know, and, you know, they talk about spirituality and things like that. Didn't really go at us with like Jesus or anything like that. All that Christianity stuff came from the outside that came from my environment. Uh, but they're both like kind of half-ass hippies, so that sort of thing has always kind of been swirling around in my brain. So I'm starting to embrace that a little bit more. I'm starting to think that that is those types of things, the the cynicism that I've had for years and years. Which it's so easy to be cynical. So easy. The, it's, the, just, so it's the easiest it's just thing. It's the wall you put up around you that I just remember all the arguments I would get in my mom, where she's like, why can't you just let go and let God? I'm like, all right. <laughs> Don't tell me let go, let God, all right? <laughs> I, I I get it. I understand. But it now is getting older. You know what? It's something that, like, I'm not saying I'm into it. I'm not saying I believe all of it. But it, it doesn't hurt to read something about it. It doesn't hurt to, you know, at least believe a little bit in something. Mm-hmm. And it, But that's, I think, the scariest of all, is going from being so cynical and so making fun of all of it to being like, I'm okay with this. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm not being a pussy because that's what's in the back of my head Mm -hmm. that's that like i don't know if it's just the anxiety or the anger or something that it's like what are you doing why are you being like this why are you just like giving up everything that you've always believed in it's like well i didn't believe in anything Mm -hmm. so what's the what's the hurt yeah yeah, you're not giving up anything at all. You're just giving up black space. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm yeah. just learning something else. Exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Actually learning something. You know, yeah. and, and for me, it's the, the fears, uh, you know, of course, the fear of what other people will say, what other people will think, the cynical bastards that fill the fucking world, you know, the cynical people that fill our lives. You know, like we hang out with people in the entertainment industry, you know, some of the most cynical fucking people around comedians, some of the most cynical people around, Uh, you know, in that there's that fear that, you know, you don't have to fucking hang out with, you know, people in the entertainment industry. Uh, Every industry has its cynics and every aspect of every fucking corner of the world has its cynics. Uh, But there's that fear that if you believe in something, then you're going to get made fun of, that they're just going to pick on you and pick on you and pick on you until finally all that shit is picked away. You know, and if you're not strong and if you don't 
hold fast to it, then yeah, it will get picked away. And yeah, you will be miserable again. You know, if, but what it's all about, what I'm starting to realize, uh, what it's all about is finding what works for you. Right. What is it that works for you to make yourself a fucking happy, productive human being uh, that contributes something good to the world, however small it may be? What is it that gets you to that point? doesn't necessarily have to be spirituality of any kind. doesn't have to be uh, believing. It doesn't have to be metaphysical. Uh, for me, it's looking like metaphysics is the type of way that I can feel like I'm, you know, a productive member of society, productive member of humanity, uh, but not everyone needs that. It's just finding the thing that works for you personally. And I think it's interesting that this is something that we still struggle with, even though like, this is something I feel like you think when you're in high school, you're like, oh, but you know, I care about what everyone else thinks that like, if I want to get into meditation when you're 16, that you're like, oh, but everyone's going to find out. And, and that that's something that in your head doesn't go away. You, you no. still want to fit in. You still don't want someone to look at you and be like, why would you ever think that would work? Yeah. But I think that also growing up is realizing who you can and cannot talk to about it. Exactly. And that's okay. It doesn't mean what you're doing is wrong or, or what you believe in is stupid. It's just fuck everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like Marcus and I have this relationship that we can talk about this kind of stuff. Yes, we can talk about anything. And there's, but there are a lot of my good friends that I wouldn't talk to about this. Me too. And that's okay. You have different friends for different reasons. Yeah. And, you know, you shouldn't be so wrapped up in what everybody else thinks, but that's something that doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. It's just how you deal with it. Yeah. And how you trust yourself that it's okay to want to believe in something. It's okay to think that this is going to help me be a positive person. Whatever gets you through the day, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Whatever gets you through the night. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I know that song. What is that? Uh... It just popped in my head. Okay. <laughs> That's just a fucking Jackie Zabrowski You hit. know the song. It's yeah. a song. Yeah, I know the song. There, there's definitely a song, but <laughs> we'll just call it a zit. All right, A yeah, Jackie yeah. Zabrow a Zabrowski hit. It's my zit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to call it. At least a jit. Yeah. <laughs> I give you a jit. Let's do a jit. Jackie hit. A Jackie hit. A jit. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's get to our letters for today. Radio at gmail.com is the email address to send any uh, questions, any comments, anything at all that you want to say. Radio at gmail.com is how you get a hold of us. What are we going to call this first gal? Ooh, um, Creepy Crawler. <laughs> Remember that? Remember Creepy Crawlers? I love those things, yeah. Man, I always wanted one. Yeah, well, I mean, by I wait, are you talking about the bugs that you... The uh, bugs you make in them in a little machine. Yeah. I think it makes them into gummy bears. Yeah, well, it just makes them in a little pieces of plastic. Oh, it does. you couldn't eat them? No, you couldn't. And there were some that you could eat. Uh-huh. I think. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly, they were banned for being highly toxic. Mm, that's rough. <laughs> I mean, you were melting plastic inside of plastic. Yes, you were. Yeah, that's not the type of thing that you should be eating. But I remember the commercial. See, that's what I love. so scary. When I say I loved them, I mean the commercial. I love the commercial. I loved the commercial. Anytime the commercial came on, I was very excited. Never actually got the creepy crawlers myself, which was probably... For the best. I bet that thing was probably $65. I'm sure it was. I'm sure that's why none of us ever got one. Yeah, I'm sure. I didn't know anyone with one. Prohibitively expensive. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, here's a letter. 
Dear Marcus and Jackie, you're my favorite. Thank you. Thank you. I found your podcast when spending a couple of months traveling alone this summer. While spending so much time alone was exactly what I wanted and needed, I think I would have lost the plot without your love of laughter and many wise words on being humans. So I want to thank you for being my imaginary friends. All I've ever wanted to be is an imaginary friend. I know. <laughs> That's why I love the movie Howie Mandel when he's underneath the bed. Little monsters. Little monsters. Yeah. I wanted to be Howie Mandel. Yeah, me too. <laughs> or uh, uh, Drop Dead Fred. Oh my God, so good. Well, I want. I always thought Henry looked like the fat man in the in the <laughs> tutu outfit when they're yeah. in the uh, psychiatrist's office. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but <laughs> thank you. That, that's a, that's <laughs> yeah, a huge. That's, awesome. that's, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm taking that and I'm putting, I'm putting it in the bank. Hell yeah. All right, back to the letter. I've never myself suffered from mental illness, but my boyfriend does. I found your podcast by googling how to cope when your partner has depression, which led me to a blog post somewhere, which led me to you. Before sex and other human activities, I didn't have any idea before how to handle it and can feel pretty low and rejected sometimes. Listening to your experiences and those of everyone who writes to you has given me an invaluable insight into mental illness. Therefore, thanks also to my fellow listeners. When my boyfriend is feeling really depressed, I now know not to take things so personally and am, I hope, able to be a much better support not only to him, but also to other friends of mine that suffer from depression and anxiety. Turns out there are loads of them. How did I properly not notice this before? Maybe we're worse at talking about things over here in the UK. So, my question... We're all bad at talking about it, by the way. Yeah, we're all bad <laughs> about talking about it, yes. It's not just the UK. At least the UK, you can get some help for free. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and here, yeah, everyone's bad. I mean, I know we get a lot of listeners from the UK, uh, and a lot of people asking questions from over there, so... It does seem like that, you know, the British are not as open to talking about it as Americans are. Uh, but, yeah, every everyone's bad about it. But, hey, fucking kudos for you for being able to uh, recognize those types of things and recognize them in your friends and help your friends out. Hell yeah. So her question, she says, when your partner or anyone close to you suffers from depression and anxiety in the times when they're feeling particularly low or going through excruciating anxiety, do you have any practical advice on what to do? Is giving pet talks just really if, irritating and futile? Physical contact and reassurance? Fresh air and making sure everyone is drinking enough water? Well, <laughs> this fucking, is good. I love that. Uh, I know it'll be different for everyone, but I was wondering if you could talk about your experiences of how people close to you were or are helpful in particularly low moments. Also, do you have any book recommendations on depression and anxiety, etc.? Can't thank you enough for everything that you do. Make noise and be free. Much love from your imaginary friend, Creepy Crawler. Hell yeah. Great letter. Love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, it, like you said, it's definitely different for every person. And it is hard being on the other side when you haven't dealt with those feelings yourself. I mean, that is something that I've struggled with in my relationship for years that, you know, I I have a lot more issues than my partner does. And it's something that we had, it took a long time for us to work on. Um, it, it was something that was kind of a trial and error that he would try different things when I was either in the middle of an anxiety attack or, or if I was just hitting hitting like just so anxious that I was getting angry um, that I wasn't able to control myself. And the thing that we finally figured out that has worked is that when I'm in my lowest moment and he's there, which usually I try to be by myself, I kind of burrow away, which a lot of people do. I do too. And because it's just easier for me to deal with it because I don't want anyone looking at me. Um, I don't want anyone to see it. It's very, it's, 
unfortunately with I feel a lot of mental illness comes a lot of shame and it and it's a hard thing to deal with especially when you have a loving partner right there that wants to help and they don't know what they can do something that we've realized that helps is trying to spot what spun me off and it is questions like so what are you thinking about right now? What is making you the most upset right now? Because it could be the littlest thing. And if I can pinpoint what it was that he said or something that happened that I thought about in my mind, if it's something that I can pinpoint it, it makes it more rational for me to deal with. And it's the, what's wrong with you? Uh, wh what can I do to help? Uh, what? Because you don't know how to communicate it when you're in those times. There's nothing you can say, it's like, well, do this, because that's not what you're thinking about. Your head is wrapped up into other things that you can't deal with it and you can't control it. And that's why having a partner that's able to ask the specific questions for you that helps bring you back, since they can't control it for you and you can't control your episode, it's just finding something to help you rationalize the situation for you in your brain. It's like making a map. Right. Yeah. It's of like your brain. Yeah. It's like you're lost. Like in those moments of depression and anxiety, you were lost. And there's a partner sitting there asking you, it's like, all right, did you take a left turn? Did you take a right turn? And then eventually you get back to the point that you started from. And you can say like, okay, here's where you started. You're not lost anymore. This is the path that you took. Now you can work on it. And now we can figure it out. Yeah. Now we can figure it out. And then it is, it's, it's just so scary. And it's scary to watch, too, you know, when you feel so helpless. But you're not helpless, you know. And if it is something that he wants space, give him space. And if if maybe asking him questions to really pinpoint what's going on inside of his brain, if you think that that would help him and that's something that he would want to calmly talk to you about or try to figure it out, then try that. Or have, you know, make him write things down. Not make him, but give him a book. Yeah. Give him a journal that that's, you know, I'd said that, that Doug gave me a journal from him, that it was this weird crossing a boundary for the both of us, that, like rather me being ashamed of writing down my feelings. Like he gave me something that's like, here, I picked this out for you from me for you to write down your feelings in. And it made it like more cohesive. Like we were a unit doing this together. I don't know if that was just inside of my head, but it really did like make me not be as ashamed of it anymore. And I don't have to hide it. Not that I had to in the past, but Well, you didn't have to, you felt like you I had felt to. like I had to. Yeah, yeah. Two very different things. And I um when you're saying books like anything like to read, I was given a book I never read it because I'm bad at this stuff, but it was a book called Depression Fallout that is supposed to be one of the best books to read. It's particularly about, um, I was reading it for my mother. It's about dealing, it's like that you are the victim of, like depression not only affects the person, but it affects everyone around them, and that it's okay. It's okay for you to, because sometimes when you're feeling emotions and you're going to someone that is dealing with depression, they're like, well, you're not the one that's dealing with it. I'm the one that's dealing with it. Mm. But it's not true. No. You're all dealing with it. We're all dealing with it. And it's different ways of coping, but also making, like the whole book is about being okay with how you feel about it. And it, it 
it has helped. I, I know that it has helped a lot of people that I know and that it is something that my therapist highly recommended for me to read. And uh, another one that I did read that was about dealing with people with borderline personality disorder is called Walking on Eggshells, which I think is just a good book to read for dealing with someone that their emotions are constantly, you don't know whether it's going to change or not. Emotion, uh, um, an unpredictable person. An unpredictable person. No. And like, it, I know it's specifically about borderline personality disorder, but it helped in so many other, you know, my mom is not doesn't have it, but it definitely helped me navigate around her bipolar disorder and her depression of just ways of dealing with it and how to talk to people and how it's okay to feel like you're affected as well. Yeah, I, I think so. As, as far as your specific questions, as far as is giving pep talks really irritating and futile, most of the time. Yes. Yeah, mo most of the time because it, it almost feels condescending mm -hmm. at times especially when you're in that moment when you're in that moment when you're really depressed like with with really like low deep depression like you can't see things like you can't see any of the good in the world at all and sometimes when someone's telling you about all the good in the world that can almost make it worse because it makes you feel like why the fuck can I feel that why the fuck why do I why, why, what is wrong with me? It, it also, it just gives you, it gives the person another thing to feel bad about. It gives you another way to, it gives that person another way uh, to feel alienated and alone. It's like, well, what the fuck, why, why can't I see this? What's wrong, what is missing in me? And it, it makes you feel like there's something missing within you. And I, and I think that's uh, a lot of what uh, depression is, at least as far as per me personally, uh, a lot of what uh, depression is is that it's feeling the absence of something. It's feeling that there's something, that there's something that other people have that you don't have. Uh, that you were born without a very essential uh, piece of wiring in your brain uh, and that you'll never get that piece and that that piece is just gone forever and you're just going to have to deal with it until you die. You know? And that's not true. You know, it's not true that that piece is going to be missing forever. It might have to be jury-rigged a little bit. You know, it might not, it, you might, you're not going to have the factory standard piece, uh, but there is something out there with, as far as like any sort of mental illness or, uh, you know, it's like depression, bipolar, anything like that, uh, that there may be a piece that is missing, a piece that you were not born with that connects your brain up together. And you're never going to have the factory standard piece, but that's fine because you know what you got? You got character. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, when you see a car, I don't know about everyone else, but, like, I don't want a fucking shiny new car. I don't like shiny new cars. You know, I want some, I want a car that's got a little bit of a rusted bumper. A little you bit know, of history behind it. A, a little it. bit yeah. of history behind it. Something that you can, uh, you can look at and you can say, like, all right, like, that thing, it may not be put together perfectly. It may not have all the original parts, but God damn it, I love that car. <laughs> like, uh, son of a bitch, that car is fucking great. Uh, and I think that's a, a good way to look at it, but just always remember without that fucking essential piece, that car ain't never going to run. Yeah. So you got And it's find something it. you have to deal with. It's something that has to be dealt with. Yeah. And that it's not something that you should be dealing with alone, is that, you know, your partner should want to get help for it. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, it's like anything like that. Hell, it's like just like being an alcoholic. If they don't accept it, 
and they don't want to get help, then it's just not going to work. You can't force someone to do this. You know, it's like a lot. And, you know, it, and you also see with people like, you know, they get forced into rehab uh, and they come out in 30 days and they go right back. Right back to it. Right back to it. You know, and it's the same thing. You can't force people into getting help. I mean, you can, it's a stopgap. It's, it's something that you can do to keep them from hurting themselves. If they're in imminent danger of suicide or hurting someone else or something like that, then yes, that can be a bit of a stopgap. But until that person really wants to get help and the person really wants to improve upon themselves, uh, then they really want to fix what's going on, uh, then um, it's not going to happen. And just remember, uh, and this is fucking advice for everybody out there. You cannot fix them. That's and that's the thing is that the reason why we had like it's taken years to get to the point where my partner and I are at is because I came around when for years I didn't want help from him. I it, I saw it as a sign of weakness. I said this is my burden. It mm-hmm. is not yours, and I'm gonna deal with it. And I don't want any of your help. And that was something I had to overcome because you can't, he couldn't fix me. You can't just say, I'm going to put a bunch of oil in it. Now it's not going to squeak anymore. (laughs) That's not how it is. It's something that I had to come to him and he waited for me to come and say, we, I need your help with this. Can we do this together? Because you can't force somebody to change or ask for help. Mm. And that is a huge part of this whole scenario for creepy crawler is that like when you know if you could talk to him when he's not in an episode you know just on a normal day of talking about it uh, and saying that like i want to be there for you but do you want me to be there for you mm-hmm. because that's really important yeah i've got a long history of trying to fix significant others you know, long history of it in many different ways like i i have a long history of like i don't know why? Maybe it was something that I saw it myself and I want it, you know, and I want to fix everybody else, help everybody else. You know, that that's, uh, I guess, uh, you know, something impulse that's that's within me. But those women that I was with, they didn't want to be fixed because they didn't want to get help yet. Like they, they weren't ready to get help yet. And they resented me for trying to, quote unquote, fix them for trying to help them in that sort of way. Uh, so I definitely have made a pledge to never do that again uh, and to never get into that type of situation ever again um, unless somebody wants help and actively uh, works on themselves in a proactive way. Like somebody who, you know, you can always recognize when someone works on themselves and someone who pays attention to that type of shit. Like that's, you know, that's what I want. You know, like that. that's what... I'm, you know, yeah, you know, like that, right. that, that's what is out there. Um, but unless someone wants to do that, you can't do it for them and trying to do it for them only results in heartbreak, uh, and, um, also anger. making the person, that's the things that like for years and years and years, I was the one people tried to fix. Yeah. I was, I felt like I always likened it to being like a horse that was trying to be like, Broken. Broken. Yeah. And I didn't want to be broken. And all it did was make me more angry. Yeah. And it just spawned more. It just like made things well up in me so much faster that like my anger was at the top of my skin at all times because I didn't want to be helped and I didn't want to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And that is something that is 
I feel like a lot of people identify in themselves when you're like, I don't need any help. I can do this by myself and I don't I don't want anyone to change me. But it's also changing your perspective of, you know, when you find someone that does fit for you, it's not that he wants to change me. He just wants to grow together. Yes. Rather than fix and to change me. And it's the growing together that makes the difference. And but once you have to wait until that other person sees it as that or that's how you're going about it. If you're not trying to completely change someone, it's also changing in yourself as well. It's a together thing. It's not a one way road. And I think in any relationship, that's a really huge thing to remember. It's a gigantic thing to remember. All right, I think that's a good point to end today. Fuck yeah. <laughs> man, watch some scary movies. Oh, fuck yeah, man. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's, you know, it's the week of Halloween. Uh, Let's eat candy. I bought a bunch of candy yesterday. Oh, man, I can't wait. I need to go buy candy. I haven't, I haven't bought any There's candy. There's just something depressing about being an adult and buying a bunch of candy for yourself. Like in my head, I'm like, I'm going to give it to the... Trick-or-treaters. There's no trick-or-treaters in my neighborhood. No, no. There's nobody coming to my house. <laughs> I bought it for me to eat. What, are they going to hit your fucking buzzer? Yeah, they're going to walk <laughs> up four flights of stairs. No, they're not. They're going to be nowhere near me. And I'm like, I didn't even work for this candy. Yeah. I didn't even do anything for this candy. And it makes me want to adult trick-or-treat. Yeah. But those are all pieces of shit when you adult trick-or-treat. Yeah. No yeah. one likes an adult trick-or-treater. No one even okay. likes a teenage adult trick-or-treater. Definitely not. Anyone over the age of 13. No, no. Over the age of 11. Right? Maybe yeah. 10. No, maybe 10. Yeah. No, yeah. 11's the cutoff. All right. Once you get to 12, when there's the possibility of pubes... Ew, that's what you're thinking about? <laughs> that's what you think about when a trick-or-treater comes to your door? No, that's not what you I'm thinking You got possibility about. of pubes? <laughs> I ain't giving you candy. You got pubes. You, you look like you got pubes. <laughs> no pube boy, get my candy. <laughs> uh, we're going to go out of some Eagles of Death Battle here. Oh, my God. Okay, this yeah. song. Oh, Something yeah. tells me this song is going to be on every podcast this week. Oh, yeah. You guys have a great Halloween. Everyone have a great happy Halloween, we'll everyone. talk to you next week. See you next week. I'm taking a shower. I'm fucking pooped. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, listen to the song in the shower. You're gonna fucking and try not to kill yourself by dancing so fucking awesome yeah, be and hard. Careful, will ya? Yeah, dance like a fucking marionette on some strings. That's trust me. Just That's dancing. You know what it looks like. You know what it feels like. Just fucking do it. All right. See y'all next week. <laughs>